This is Season 3 of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's regular podcast where the team roping world talks. We've told the stories of some of the greatest cowboys, horses, and moments in the sport, and we're so far from done. In 2020, we'll bring you more of what you've come to expect, like interviews with the best cowboys and cowgirls we know, and we'll dive even deeper into subjects you care about. Look for more audio editions of the Team Roping Journal stories you might have missed in print, and learn about the great horses shaping the sport and great challenges facing our industry. All this and more in 2020. I'm Chelsea Schaefer. I've always known Tyler Wade as a reacher, as the best storyteller who's ever lived, and as a hustler who worked as hard as anyone I've known to stay on the road. I've always been impressed by Tyler's work ethic and his insane talent, but at the 2019 NFR, I was absolutely blown away by his ability to reach and catch 10 steers as insanely fast as he did, even including that last one where he fumbled his dally. He was fun to watch, and I think in my conversations with so many of the best in the world that he put the team roping world on notice that he's not just the funny guy who tells the best stories and reaches the farthest. And he's one of my close friends, so for years I've really honored his no podcast request. But for season three of The Score, things are different, and he's lost his hall pass. So about a month ago, I guess, gosh, two months ago now, Tyler and I sat down at Denver, and I picked his brain. He loosened up, and we chatted about everything from his struggle with horses that's absolutely known across the team roping industry, now finding a great one in the bay horse that he rode at the finals, his wife, Jessie, who's a superstar mom and a superstar barrel racer, and uh, just a little bit of everything. So his partnership with Billy Jack, all of the fun stuff about T. Wade's team roping career is in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Stick around for the end for sure. For some really funny horse trading, hustling stories, T-Wade Wade is the tradingest sucker you've ever met, so stick around and listen to that part of the episode at the end. Thanks. Talk to y'all soon. Before we get started on today's episode, it is brought to you by Patrick Smith's Great Horse WSR. He's a Donovalina, aka Rooster. You can check out RaisingRoosters.com for more information, and I'll tell you more about it at the commercial break. Here we go. I'm losing. <laughs> Why do I always lose? Why do you always lose? This is the long-awaited interview with Tyler Wade. Finally got me. Finally got you. Got you cornered. You nowhere else to go. That's not true. I've had you where we could have done it many a time. You tricked me that one time and called me. I did. That was just short, though. Yeah. Yeah, with that. But I'm glad that you answer at least when I call. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so we've been talking about doing this for a long time, but you didn't want to do an interview. Do you like doing interviews? Or do you just hate it? Do you hate me? Tell me how you feel about interviews. No, I don't, I don't mind them that much. I, uh... I don't really have a good answer for that. Maybe that's why I don't like doing interviews. So. <laughs> that's not true. But I guess we've talked about it before. Like, you're not, you are, I don't know. People, if anybody's ever paid attention to you or watched you, you're hilarious and everybody knows you're <laughs> hilarious. But you also don't really like to position yourself highly in the industry. Or, like, you're not worried about your position in the industry, I guess, or marketing yourself. Yeah, I'm not very good at marketing. I just try to focus at roping and stuff like that, and I'm not really big on 
Instagram and right before a team rope or anything <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many highs and lows. Like, yeah. If I don't catch one for a week, I really don't want to post on social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, I mean, people do good about it, and it's good in the end when they do that, but I'm not as good as I should be at it. Well, I did an episode with Tate Kirchlager the other day, and he said that you, like, he used you as an example of guys that hustle, like that there's nobody that hustles like Tyler Wade. Um, tell me, like, I guess I want to talk about that, but starting with how you grew up, like where did the hustle come from? I mean, I guess just my dad's always traded cows and put on ropings, and my mom's always worked, and I've always liked that lifestyle, but it doesn't pay that good unless you do a lot of things. And like, I guess three out of the last four years I've finished 10th or 11th in the world each year, and that's not enough money. Like it just it, it doesn't it doesn't work. It's not you know you don't get paid enough. And like I haven't really hit any huge leaks at the jackpots or anything just to take the heat off financially. And I I've made a living roping, but honestly all of it has to go together. The uh, the roping lessons, the horses, the putting on team ropings, the trading steers. The, I mean. It all goes in together to make it work. I mean, I save my old ropes and sell them for three dollars a piece. And I took my old ropes and loose change, and I bought like fifteen head of cows with it. Mm -hmm. And those cows have all had calves that had like six hundred dollar calves on their side. So like, just stuff like that. I just think mm -hmm. that you see an opportunity to make some money, better do it. So your parents own an arena. <laughs> they own an indoor arena in Terrell, and uh, they put on junior rodeos and jackpots all the time stuff like that so when I can help put on the rope and stuff like that we do or my wife rides maturity horses and outside horses and stuff and uh, I don't really like the horse selling that much because I don't ever want to make anybody mad if it doesn't work you know <laughs> and it's not not every horse works for every person so I don't I mean I, we, we get them every once in a while and I try to help people make them fit and they're happy with it but I don't, I don't like to sell horses all the time for a living. I understand. That's a hard way to make a living, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody gives twenty thousand dollars for a horse, and then in a month they don't get along with it, or it winds up crippled or something crazy. I don't really want them to be mad at me, so I don't, I don't try to. I don't try to do that too much. But. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit during the NFR on one of when you won one of your rounds, but your horse deal has been a huge struggle throughout your career, and not. I mean, you had Fonzie, so that was amazing, and he kind of like lucked, I don't want to say lucked into Fonzie, because he wasn't cheap, but Fonzie ended up being a head horse, right? But right, yeah. On uh, accident, kind of. Yeah, every horse has kind of, I've come through, has been on accident or something, that, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, when you finish 11th in the world and only clear 50,000, and then people want 75,000 for their horse, it really doesn't make it even feasible to mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, there's a lot of people that make it work, and, and a lot of people that spend big money can sell horses for big money too. It's just it's just scary to risk that because mm -hmm. when you buy a horse for you know forty, fifty, sixty, eighty thousand, whatever, like it has to work. And I can only afford one, so like if that one doesn't work, and I can't make a living on it, like you know we're at a dead stop. So that's just hard to hard to do. But I mean at the same time, that's what you got to do to make a living too. Mm -hmm. You and Billy Jack decided to stay hooked again this year. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I struggled this summer horse-wise and stuff like that until I found that bay. So <clears throat> when I struggled finding a horse, I kind of let him down a little bit and didn't do as good as I can do. And uh, I feel like if I get horses on track, he's always on track and got good horses. So 
hopefully uh, I'll do a better job this year. Did you guys talk about that, or was it just like he trusted? I mean, it's not like Billy talks just a whole bunch anyway. But did you guys talk about at the end of the year, like, hey man, are you sure you want to rope with me after the summer that I had? Like, how did that yeah, go? Yeah, I told him, you know, kind of the same deal. Like, hey man, if you know hard feelings, it's a business. If if whatever you come up with, and I don't guess he had in any people that maybe he wanted to rope with. No better offers. So I, well, I don't know. Say that. Yeah. I'm we just kind of stick it out. I think we rope good together, and mm-hmm. we can do good. I haven't done the greatest job I can do for him, but I know we I know we can do it. So that's a that's a plus to know you can, I guess. Yeah. Um, how you didn't win as much money as you wanted to at the finals this year, but the talk of the finals was how you headed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you feel like you're headed? At th- I mean, were you happy with? With your finals, I, I I didn't handle a couple of them as good as I could have. Uh, some of them were really good, some of them weren't. Uh, the last one, I missed my dally on and jerked him and handled him terrible. So I didn't give him. It wasn't ten perfect steers, but you just take it night by night and not really focus on anything but yourself. But honestly, you know, like I had it headed pretty good, caught them all. But like, who knows if we would have won the first five rounds and I'm winning the world. I'm gonna get nervous and not caught anymore after that too. So yeah. I mean, the scenario was kind of played out where we had nothing to lose and just keep roping. But I mean, I hope I would rope that way if I was still winning the world. But you never know. So, yeah. You know, it's kind of it's a humbling sport and it is freaking brutal. Uh, like you know, caught them all at the finals or whatever, and everybody pats you on the back. But the other day I was at the WCRA and all I had to do was catch and I missed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were high called the American qualifier at Odessa and I waved it off. And uh, I've missed a few in the short hunts here lately like that. And it's just, it, the only thing that matters for me is the last one. It's pretty embarrassing. I missed today too, so I'm not that excited about <laughs> I know. Uh, I, for everybody that's listening, I thought, I didn't get to see the roping today, but I thought you were 4-4, but I read the day sheet wrong. It was Spank. And yeah, Spank did good. He's having a good time right now. Uh, <laughs> You're I'm stuck here with me. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all right. Uh, did you, like, what was, can you talk about your groove at the finals? Like, what did it feel like? Did it just feel so easy? Was it? Uh, being that it was my third time, it, it gets a little bit, like the nerves kind of die off mm-hmm. and you kind of know what to expect. Like, uh, that arena is like a two-swing arena. Like, you swing twice, you throw it in the middle of the arena, and that's kind of where the, there's a rhythm there, and if you get out of it, you're kind of off track. So, nothing really changes, it just, uh, I tried a few things practicing and changed some stuff up from how I used to do it and it kind of helped get my groove back. And the steers weren't quite as strong and their horns weren't as huge, which makes it a lot easier to head off uh-huh. too. So. Who do you look to when you need help with your roping? Uh, a buddy of mine, Earl Martin, comes over and we break it down. That's the only guy yeah. I break it down with and he helps me. A ton. We will we will swap bits and head stalls and tie downs. And, uh, don't think we don't ever swap ropes because I like my ropes pretty mm-hmm. good. But besides that, we'll saddles, whatever it takes. We'll we'll put different uh, saddles on, or I mean, literally anything that we think we need to focus on. But he's sharp. He's got a great eye for a horse and roping and everything like that. So he, you know, he can see what I can't feel while we're roping. So it, it's pretty good to have him. Help me out all the time. Has he been watching you your whole life? Or? Yep, he's lived across the street our whole life, and uh, 
actually just bought a place right beside him, some land. So we're going to build over there, and I'm going to rip up his house even more. And uh, yeah, he's just really critiquing me a lot, and he does a heck of a job. We were talking about money a little bit ago and making it, and you brought up. You bought a little piece of land. What is it that you say at the finals? Three steers for three more years, or? Well, we're, we're five steers or five years away. Is what I told my wife. She's, she wanted to know when we were going to get a house, and uh, we're still quite a few steers away from that, I guess. So. Hang <laughs> it. It just depends on how it goes. Yeah. What's your favorite jackpot of the year? We've got a bunch of the big jackpots coming up. Well, I don't know what my favorite one is. Uh, Are you getting better at jackpotting? I sometimes think I'm getting better and then I miss and high call and then I realize maybe I'm getting worse. I don't know, it's it's so humbling, it's hard to say. <laughs> this is this sport's brutal. Yeah. It like as soon as you think you're good and your horse are good and you figure it out the next week all you do is catch for five thousand and you miss. And like that's put some strain on things and stuff, so I don't say I'm better some I mean it just sometimes you're really good, sometimes you're not I guess, but you just kinda gotta ride that wave. Mm -hmm. and, just kind of be pretty level-headed about it. Tell me about partnerships because they are challenging in professional rodeo and we know Billy's pretty easygoing and pretty laid-back. You've had some fun ones over the years, right? Oh yeah, we've had some that was more fun than we needed, I think. <laughs> I think so, I think so. Kenny was a riot. Yeah. What yeah. is he doing these days? Kenny is uh, raising kids and junior rodeoing and Moving cows, I'm not real sure. It's hard to get a hold of now. He is hard to get a hold of. So, who knows what he's doing. But right. Yeah. I'm sure he's having fun, whatever that is. And Knight Riders. Yeah. Just as fun as can be. He's still having fun. Yeah. I talk to him all the time on the phone. and Yeah, he's uh, he's been rubbing pretty good here lately, so hopefully he gets a partner and gets back after it. Yeah, for sure. All right, tell me, your horses, you said a lot of them have been by accident. Most of them have been by accident. Yeah. Bloodlines, though. Any preference whatsoever, or do you not even look at the papers? Or no, I don't really care. Uh, the papers are just a good indication of their age, I guess you could say. For me, and I mean, a lot of people are different. Joseph knows every horse and every stud and every mare and all that, and like that's kind of how his deal. And mine's just uh, confirmation-wise is big, making sure they're big enough, stout enough, fast enough, good-minded enough, all of it, you know, to hold up and all that. But a lot of a lot of the horses I found was just kind of by accident and you know I mean you just sometimes you gotta buy an older horse to get by on for a while and lose a little bit of money when you sell him but you know the way I look at it if I buy a horse for 10000 and I ride him for two years and I get 5000 for him when I'm done and that time you know it uh it's only a couple hundred dollars a month at least on a pretty good horse so you have a chance on a lot and that's the way I look at it and, and you know I can't afford to buy one for 60 and then sell it for 20 next year either but that being said if you can kind of make it feasible and work and it just depends on you know vet checks and if they last and if you don't like him can you sell him for what you paid for him and mm -hmm. that kind of deal you know so it's a I mean it's just tough you kind of got to be sharp with it and I know that I have tried I got an, uh, 86 horses in the last uh, year and nine months. So that's a lot of horses. That's a lot of horses. I think I bought four. Yeah. So, and I think I sold uh, three of them. So yeah. And you've got some like, or you've looked at some really expensive horses. Yeah. Too. Yeah, and it, and if they cost more than my best one does and doesn't feel half as good, it's probably not feasible to buy that horse. But, yeah. Uh, you always got to try them. Never know when when one's gonna work out and fit you really good. So.
yeah, the prices of horses, people are very proud of their horses these days. And you can get it to a World Series guy. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't blame them at all mm -hmm. for wanting thirty thousand for their horse because they can win more at the World Series than we can win. Mm -hmm. But it's kinda ruined the uh, good scoring head horses and going to find one for fifteen thousand and making the NFR on the next year. It's pretty hard to yeah. come across. I just did an interview with Sherwood and that's we said that he said the same thing. Like you can't duck off and find one in the backwoods that somebody's been going to some jackpots on because they don't score anymore. No, Those yeah. kinds, yeah. No, and nobody even wants to score. So mm -hmm. if their horse scores are kind of no good for the World Series driven, so it's kind of it's tough to make it work for us for sure. Yeah. What do you? So your bay horse that you rode at the NFR that you ride now, you had to work on your scoring quite a bit with him to get him right. Yeah, he was a little bit different. He he would score good, but uh, he would get a little bit nervous, and when you he wouldn't ride forward. Like mm -hmm. he would squat or pull a leg somewhere or turn his head in like. He, he was either that or he ran out. There was no walking and relaxing and all yeah. that. And he's gotten better and that horse wants to do whatever you tell him, but he, he's so athletic and quick footed, he's kind of hard to ride. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, he's not as easy just to rope the steer on like some mm -hmm. horses I had, but he is the most athletic and one of the funnest horses I've had too. Was your neighbor that you, or lived across the street from you who taught you how to score? Like who you worked on your scoring with or who? Uh, I don't know if anybody necessarily, my dad's, you know, taught me how to rope, and then, uh, like, I just wanted it so bad, I don't know if anybody taught me any certain thing, mm -hmm. but, like, uh, uh, I guess we had, considered we critiqued it a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he, you know, was kind of worried about where my left hand was to score a little bit better, and then where my swing is to do that a little bit better, and if my feet are moving to ride, and you just, I don't, I want to use everybody's best qualities to try to bring it to myself. Like, I think I like the way Clay Smith heads and the way he rides his horse. Uh, I think Luke Brown throws great head loops that like they're big and open and he always seems to catch. And uh, you know, you just, uh, Drigger's horse just never seemed to duck. You know, he rides pretty straight and square in the saddle and stuff like that. So I try to critique all the little things I think they do good to work for me. Mm -hmm. you know, Dustin Squeeza, he starts his swing perfect and flat and then he's fast. And like, I tried to get my swing a little closer to how he does it too. I don't tell them that. I'm telling them they did a good job ever. But now you just did. <laughs> yeah. I'm not telling them they did a good job, but I, I, I do look, <laughs> I do watch them, pay attention, and try. Yeah. When Patrick Smith bought WSR, he's a Don of Alina. Anyone who cares about breeding, raising, training, and riding great horses took notice. After all, that Dun Stallion rooster was really the stuff of legends. Raised and trained by world champion Randon Adams, Rooster played the role of backup horse to the legendary Horse of the Year, Diesel, for most of his career. But when Patrick Smith needed that replacement for his world champion mount and former Horse of the Year amigo, Rooster was where he turned. The good-boned, hard-stopping stud had made clutch pro-rodeo appearances under guys like Dakota Kirkenschlager, Russell Cardoza, and Cesar De La Cruz, and he showed up at the NFR when De La Cruz needed him most. In the short time that Smith has owned him, the Stallions' earnings have jumped well over 300000 winning 35000 at the Bob Feist alone in 2019. Patrick bought him because he was a great one, and now he's standing him to the public for just $1,800 in 2020. The horse is by the Adams' iconic producer, he's a son of a Dunn, out of Paulina, a daughter of the great Doc Alina. Crossed on running bread mares, that bloodline produced the great transmission who Jay Adams won Salinas on and who continues to turn heads under Colorado's J.B. James. 
and Rooster's offspring are already winning at the rope horse futurities under guys like NFR qualifier Cole Davidson. If you're serious about breeding to a stallion that's going to change the game, producing offspring that are meant to win in the roping arena, then Rooster needs to be your first choice. He's had a 100% catch rate on the mares that he bred in 2019, and his books are now open for 2020. It's easy. All you have to do is check out RaisingRoosters.com for more and call 432-201-3080 for contracts. That's 432-201-3080 for contracts, and you can have a part of the great Raising Rooster program. Is there anybody that you like how they score? Like, I mean, there's so many different styles. Uh, honestly, uh, there's so many different styles, and sometimes it doesn't look very good, but it seems to work and keep working you mm -hmm. know, for, for guys. I'm not going to say any guys' names, but, uh, <laughs> like, it looks terrible, and then all of a sudden, like, all of their horses score, and they, you know, mm -hmm. they're all doing stuff good, and, uh, uh, I mean, if you're going to pick one, obviously, Trevor Brazil, but, like, that's perfection, and that's hard to do. So, <laughs> like, sometimes... We can do it practicing, and I can make it perfect practicing. And uh, honestly, when you're at the rodeo and you nod, you lose about half of what you learned. Mm -hmm. So you just try to build muscle memory and make it work. But, yeah, for uh, sure. My horse isn't gonna score perfect every time because my left hand's not gonna be perfect every time. The steer's not gonna be perfect. Uh, Trevor, he he's amazing at it, and he goes through some horses to do it. And I don't I don't know what he does so different, but he's good at it. Mm -hmm. Well, now Trevor's riding all kinds of horses that are bred to just flat fly, which your wife seems to have decent access to. Do you ever want to get on any of her futurity horses? No, they're worth more than they'll ever be to head on, so I just let her do her deal. Yeah, they're big shuckers. She's so handy, your wife. Yeah, she rides so quiet and relaxed. Yeah. And just, uh, it's funny watching her because she will, you know, I don't really tell her how to do anything or anything. Sometimes we critique, like, maybe riding a little harder and stuff than she likes to do. But like, if she took five two-year-olds around the barrels in three months, every horse will have the same exact pattern. Mm -hmm. Just a perfect pattern and their feet are in the same spot. And it's pretty impressive to see her do that because, you know, having uh, consistency is hard to find. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very inconsistent when it comes to that kind of stuff because I'll change spots from where I rope them and all that. Mm -hmm. and she, it, she did, pretty dang good job of them. Do you guys have a plan for, like, right now, <laughs> this is going to sound like a jerk thing to say, it's like all about you right now. Right now you're so broke, but... <laughs> no, 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 God, no. No, 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 you can live in my basement or something. But, um, <laughs> do you guys have a plan for Jessie running barrels, rodeo, and, like, she's always got a fraternity horse or two, you know, like, what's the plan yeah, for... Yeah, I think it kind of goes the same way with Team open horses like if two horses go down, you, you we can't afford just to go buy two more. You know, mm -hmm. we're about to take a break and kind of figure some stuff out, do, do whatever it needs to do. So, uh, but I think the same thing in the rail race. Mm -hmm. You know, there were so much money, and people are willing to spend so much money on them that like she trains one, and if we have one uh, go our way that she could maybe win on, I'd love to see her out here doing yeah. it. And so it's hard to find that special horse like. Uh, you know, a lot of these girls have out here to make it work. So, but yeah, when the horse comes or, you know, financially stable or whatever, we're going to hopefully both get after it or sponsor wise, whatever yeah. comes our way to make it both work for us to go together all the time. But, but Jessie's busy being an amazing mother right now. 
Yeah. How she hard. pays the bills, and then I just I do whatever the heck I'm doing. So. How how is how hard is it to be away from them now? You're getting older, kind of seeing what the old guys used to say about hating traveling. Oh, I'm over it. I haven't seen them in a day and a half, and like when we were up tonight at eight, I'm gonna be home at nine in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just we're just gonna go ahead and drive the whole way home. So uh, no, it it sucks. I don't like it at all. It's been bad. You know, it's hard to afford to go just together, you know, because mm-hmm. it's more stalls, it's more shavings, it's more food, it's, you know, it's more diesel, everything. So, you know, you wear a tear in the rig because you're taking it the whole time. Like, it's hard to do. It's worth it in the end if you can afford to do it. And, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fun to have them out there, too. Except, like, my little boy, he'll, we'll get somewhere at 1 in the morning, and he'll say, we're just going to play for a little while. Yeah, you know, that's the worst. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of, we're on his time, man, so that's pretty hard to make work. But. Yeah. All right, I have to ask you, I don't know if you can tell me the truth or not, what's the craziest thing you've ever traded? Oh, man. And how much did you make on it? I don't even know where to start. The craziest that I ever traded, I traded uh, two horses that weren't broke, and two steers, uh, and a zebu for uh, a gray pony and a thirty-year-old roan head horse. Because I was so sick of the zebu and the horses that we had to load the horses like bucking horses to get them in the chute. Yeah, that's how and you then, do it. <laughs> and I traded all that for two ponies, and I roped on them at the house that night. And uh, a guy said. Uh, I said, man, I want to sell this stuff. I want to sell it today. And he said, well, how much do you want for it? And I said, I don't know. 2000 He's like, I'll give you 1800 And I said, deal. No, yeah, no questions asked. Deal. That'll work for me. But I don't know what the craziest one is. Wait, wait, wait. You just, like, casually dropped a Zebu. Like, where did you come upon one? Uh, on uh, Craigslist. This lady had a Zebu for, like, 120 bucks. And it was, like, right down the road. So in the whole, in the whole horse deal, I guess the two horses, they cost like seventy-five dollars a piece, and then one hundred twenty bucks for the zebu, and then I sold it off for eighteen hundred in like maybe eight hours total. And I don't know how I wound up doing all that, but we've done some crazy stuff like that before. Uh, I don't know. We've traded a lot of stuff. Before. I traded uh, like eight trophy saddles. Um, a couple steers and a goat for a trailer one time, and then I traded a trailer for a head horse that sold for twelve five. So that was pretty good, pretty interesting. <laughs> they had a lot of time in it though, that's for sure. But, uh, stuff like that, I don't know. It just seems to come your way. I try not to deal with anything that cheap anymore. Maybe uh, more? Yeah, we don't know. I don't want to get to the bottom of the barrel record. Yeah. So no, that was I was fifteen or sixteen. I we used to go to the horse sales all the time. And uh, so to make money, I would write anything and everything for 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Which at the time, me, I'm like, well, heck, I'll write 10 a day, you know, or make 250 or so, and then plus selling a couple, this will be all right, I'll make it work. Well, uh, uh, me and a buddy of mine riding barn horses then, and he said, uh, this guy, this old man came with him, sale and said, I need you boys to ride these two horses for me. There was an old, like 30-year-old, probably paint horse that was crippled as heck. And then there was a little black that looked outstanding. And he was so shiny and pretty. And he said, T-Wade, what, uh, what horse you want to ride? I said, I want that old paint. This one I want. I don't <laughs> want that. There's something wrong with that black. And uh, 
I'm telling you that we, I got on the old paint, he could barely walk, and we, we walked, I was going to walk him in the ring, and he got on that black horse, and uh, this black horse bucked so hard, it bucked him like 10 foot in the air, and when he landed on his hand, it split his right hand in half, two fingers on each side, about three inches in. Oh my gosh. And he hit the side of the fence, and just dang near knocked him out. And they never stopped the sale. They didn't even care. Like, they just kept rolling. And I was like, this, this man is concussed. Like, we need to call somebody. And, and I'm telling you, from that day on, I hadn't been to the sale, and I ain't, I'm not going to ride one in there. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, he, he literally, you could literally ruin your whole roping career for 25 bucks. So that was the last time I've been. But I used to get off anything bareback or whatever. If it yeah. looked like a good road, I'd jump on it. Do now. some little rope tricks. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Now, uh, I'm not, I'm not testing them anymore. I'm not doing I think you got on a broodmare in my barn on the concrete once. Yeah, no. I'm then not. I just pulled off the trailer from buying out of the mountains. Well, for you, I'd test him out. I can't <laughs> just be doing that. 25 bucks. Not for 25. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. Well, that is where I will let you end because I did want you to tell at least one story before this podcast is over. All right. Do you feel like you did a good job? Do you want to end now or do you want me to be more creative? No, I don't care. What else you got? I mean, I would love for you to tell me stories about rodeo with Kenny, but... Rodeo with Tyler, but oh, I I'll tell you one story. Uh, my first the first pro rodeo I went to, mm-hmm. we were in Lafayette, Louisiana, and which is a terrible rodeo for as far as it was for us. It was mm-hmm. like it paid like maybe like seven hundred dollars to win each round, and it was like eight hours down there or something. Mm-hmm. But we were gonna fill my permit, me and Dustin Davis, so we were gonna go, and uh, we were roping or something, left too late. It was like I don't know. I don't remember what time it was. We were probably it was noon. We were gonna get there like 30 minutes after it started if we left now. So we drove 80 the whole way down there, and uh, we're tired. We're kind of over it. I've never I haven't had a driver's license that long, so I wasn't driving very fast. Mm-hmm. But, or I was nervous driving 80, I guess. But uh, we get like 10 minutes from the arena, and we had an eight yet. I'm like, man, I think we got time for Wendy's. And it was like <laughs> it was like two miles from the arena. So they're like, yeah, yeah, that'll work. So uh, we go get Wendy's and we get back on the road, pull in the, pull in the arena and we're eating. And I see the team rovers walking in the alleyway. And I've never been there, but I see them walking in. I'm like, oh man, we are second out. Like we have got to hurry. <laughs> and when we got in the alley, the first team roped and we ran down there. Jay Gorman said, you can borrow my horse. I got on his horse. I'm so nervous. There's people everywhere. <laughs> I've never really roped under those conditions, I guess. And uh, I ran through the barrier, didn't hit the steer, and it was all a blur. And I was so sick when I left, I couldn't even eat my Wendy's after we went all that way. <laughs> and I was like, that is the dumbest thing we've ever done. But uh, what I'm not afraid from doing that rookie stuff anymore. Anymore. What is the, I mean, obviously, I think everybody that's rodeoed as long as you have has been turned out for one reason or another. Have you ever been actually turned out for a super stupid reason? <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling you that. But yes, there's been... Uh, like our, our rookie year, we literally did not know anything. Mm-hmm. So like... You and Dustin were rookies together? No, no, you. he he knew. Uh, like my rookie year, yeah. I didn't know anything at all. I was kind of by myself. And like, me and Dakota Curtis here was kind of rope at a few rodeos around the house. Well, he decides he can't make it. And I'm like, all right, no big deal. And I don't enter or nothing. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this was my rookie year and I missed the finals by like 4,000. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you were rookie of the year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I missed the finals by 4,000. 
And uh, we were in, I remember we were in Jacksonville, Texas, and I counted it, and I only paid like $1,100, and I still counted it because I didn't know. I didn't know if I was going to be rodeoing or what. And I remember uh, Dakota said he couldn't make it, so I said, hey, don't worry about it. I'll just uh, see you at the jackpot tomorrow. He said, okay. Well, I'm there with uh, Dustin and Kenny because they're roping. Well, I'm sitting in the head box watching them rope in my T-shirt, and they call my name out and turn my steer out. And Dakota turned himself out, but they were still drew me a steer, and I counted as one of the rodeos I went to. So that happened to like six rodeos, I think. They all in like one or two weekends. I didn't have a clue. But I didn't know yeah. nothing. There, there's a little more to it. I needed a little more guidance than I had. But uh, after that, Dustin and Kitty kind of took the reins and was like, all right, stupid. The responsible yeah, parties. Yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, Stephen. We're gonna have to do better than that. Uh, but that's we've done some dumb stuff like that. But mm-hmm. now we're in take care of business and rarely have any problems. I guess. But <laughs> okay, the worst you've ever missed one. I mean, obviously that one in Lafayette, Louisiana, doesn't sound like it was a great time. But like, was there one that like? if you blown your spoke or obviously everybody's done that right oh yeah i've done a lot of stupid stuff uh but honestly i, I honest when like if, a lot of people like if they're so far away they won't throw and i'm gonna throw regardless <laughs> because there's been times where they're like wow how did he catch him and there's been a lot of times that said wow why did he do that but at the same time like if it's a one header i'm gonna throw somewhere around mm-hmm. making it work or not and Dakota, Curtis Slager's little girl, she calls me Gator. Mm-hmm. She, uh, we were at a rodeo one time, and uh, I come out, and the wind was blowing, and I tried to reach, and I, and I missed. And she walked out of the room, and she, shows, she said, Gator, you didn't even hit that one. <laughs> I know, bro, and I didn't do it. And, uh, she, she was pretty fun to be with, too. Uh, Dakota went, we went to Cody, Wyoming, and Dakota missed that one for me. And uh, she said, uh, Dad missed. He's going to be really upset. Me and Mom are going to ride the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Tori cut his fingers off, and Elise loves to this day. She'll say, like, Daddy was just trying to go too fast. Daddy shouldn't try to win. Yeah, Daddy, Daddy needs to slow down and think first. <laughs> yeah, Daddy shouldn't try to win. So you're very close to that point of your parenting career where he's going to start to have opinions oh, about yeah. your roping. Yeah, he's getting where he's, he's talking a little bit, so it won't be a matter of time for him doing something wrong. Yeah. Sure. Does he like to sit on his pony? Yep, he likes his pony. Uh, he likes to ride. He loves the goats. He's got a pet goat and a couple others he likes to chase. and He's got a rabbit. And we got it all for him anyways. But he was, uh, I had a rope and I was dragging him around his rocking chair the other day, or rocking horse. I was dragging him around in a big circle and he fell off and I thought he was going to start crying and he laughed and got back on him. I was like, I've never been so proud in my yeah. life. He actually, he actually wanted to get back on after yeah, he got back off. So. For sure. But I feel like that stage, I don't know, for me, that stage ended though. She wants to like, she used to laugh when she fell. Now she's mad. Now it's a big deal. Now she's mad and furious at this hit Tonto. <laughs> Oh man, alright, well, before we get to talking about me, I will let you go, so thank you. Alright, thanks for having me. Thanks. Before we go, we've got to remind you, this episode was sponsored by Patrick Smith and WSR, he's a Dunavalina, known as Rooster. Rooster is standing in 2020 for $1,800. That's a smoking deal when you're talking about creating some of the greatest rope horses in the sport. 
So check him out at RaisingRoosters.com and call 432-201-3080 for your contracts.